0: Good, good good afternoon and welcome to the Independent News Hour. I'm John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of the Independent, New York City's lefty newspaper and website. We're online at independent.org, I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot O-R-G, O-R-G. Our brand new April edition hit the streets across the city in the past week. You can find it in our red and white news boxes in more than 60 public libraries, as well as independent bookstores, cafes, social movement centers, and other venues. It's great to be with you here on 99.5 FM, and we're also streaming on WBAI.org. My co-host, Amiga is out today. We have an action-packed show for you. We'll have the latest on Donald Trump's arraignment and the reaction to it here in Trump's hometown. We'll also talk about the Manhattan DA who indicted Trump with an independent reporter who has followed his career. In the second half of the show, we'll take listener calls. And because we can't let Trump blot out other important things, we're also going to take a look at a couple of incredibly important elections today in Chicago and in Wisconsin. And we'll get an update from Albany, where Governor Kathy Hochul is demanding the rollback of the 2019 bail reform law that was passed here in New York as her price for approving this year's annual state budget. Uh, lots of irony there, of course. Uh, Donald Trump will fly back to Mar-a-Lago tonight after being arraigned. Uh, Many people who uh, are sitting in Rikers Island for many months uh, for minor uh, uh, crimes that they haven't even been convicted of, of course, uh, won't have that privilege. So we will get to that later in the show. But turning to uh, New York City news earlier this afternoon, Donald Trump became the second current or former president to be arrested. The first president to be arrested was charged with speeding in his horse and buggy and paid a $20 fine. We'll reveal who this previous presidential perp was later in the show. Trump, meanwhile, has been indicted by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg on 34 felony counts for paying $130,000 in hush money to a former mistress in the final weeks of the 2016 presidential campaign and then falsifying related business documents. Heading to the Manhattan criminal courthouse, the ex-president posted on his truth social platform, quote, seems so surreal. Wow. They're going to arrest me. Can't believe this is happening in America. MAGA. (laughs) Well, WBAI's Taylor Fleming and the Indies Katie Pruden teamed up uh, earlier today and spoke with New Yorkers to get their reaction. Uh, first at Union Square, and then they ventured down to the circus in Lower Manhattan, where Trump's backers and his critics rallied outside the uh, the courthouse, uh, in support of Trump or uh, in opposition. Uh, so let's so uh listen in on what people had to say.
1: I mean, it's it's amazing that he hasn't been kind of brought uh to trial before now, or um, yeah, basically there's. While in office, I think he did something that was on par with Watergate and uh, deserves to be punished in that way.
2: And why he's walking around the streets is beyond me. He should be in jail, really should be put away. He's a blight on the American public.
1: Doing things that aren't um, above board and trying to lie about what was happening and the way he talks about women, I think that's an important thread to this as well. But. Yeah. I'm just curious. to. I I wish there could have been other things that came out during his presidency that he's charged and and arraigned on and not this. But I think at least it's something.
3: Well, I think that the uh, prosecutor, he got to have enough evidence, you know, to go forward with this thing. So uh, I think we're going to be surprised on the uh, evidence that he presents after the uh, arrangement. We want, we, want WE WANT TRUMP! WE WANT TRUMP!
4: This is a constitutional republic, and this
5: Manhattan D.A. continually violates our constitution.
3: We are, we are here to show our love for Trump.
1: Show our love for America. Mostly just a lot of a lot of press. I think it's really, you uh, know, instructive. You know, for every for every actual protester, there's probably five or six press people minimum. And so you know you have you know just people circled up, uh, press magnifying them makes it it seem like it's a much bigger event than it actually is, which I think is interesting. Uh, and then you yeah, had just an insane scrum when Marjorie Taylor Greene came, people pushing and shoving. But again, pretty much all press. As uh, Jamal Bauman from the Squad was here, like blowing his whistle in her face,
0: so no one could hear what she was saying. Thought it was interesting. That report was filed by Taylor Fleming and Katie Pruden. As the last speaker noted, Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene was drowned out by counter-protesters when she showed up on the scene. This is New York Congressman Jamal Bowman shouting her down.
3: Now let's talk about the truth. Now let's talk about the truth. Get Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here.
6: Get out of here.
3: Now let's talk
6: about the truth. Okay. Get, out of, get out of here! What that Jamal Bowman?
3: What is what is I was today? born and raised in New York City. This is the city that I love. It's a city focused on hard work and love for all people. We will never accept hateful rhetoric in our city. Any rhetoric that is divisive. Any rhetoric that uplifts white supremacy, we are pushing back against that in all its forms. Marjorie Taylor Greene needs to take her ass back to Washington and do something about gun violence. Do something about affordable housing. Do something about childhood poverty. Do something about poverty. Do your freaking job, Marjorie Taylor Greene.
0: Again, that was New York Congressman Jabal Bowman. He represents New York's 16th District, which encompasses parts of the Bronx, Westchester County, and Putnam County, north of the city. And joining us now to talk more about what she saw today is WBAI's Taylor Fleming. Taylor, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks, John. It's great to be here.
0: So the last person you and Katie Pruden spoke to in that first clip noted that there were More media on hand than MAGA protesters. Uh, Can you describe how the whole scene uh, looked to you and and what the atmosphere was like outside the Manhattan criminal courthouse?
4: Yeah, when Katie and I were there around 10, 11 a.m., it was still relatively calm, I would say. There was a lot of media presence Both by the courthouse, I imagine, preparing for former President Trump's arrival later that day, and also by the MAGA protest. I would agree with our interviewees assessment that there were probably more media covering the protest than actual protesters. I think pretty much every mainstream news organization was represented. ABC, NBC, they were all there.
0: And probably international media as well.
4: Yes, I did see some international media at the protest, So definitely that was that was also there.
0: Right. Seems almost like the, what you had down there was sort of an outdoor uh, television studio.
4: Almost, yeah. So, John, you have followed Trump's career for many years. Where do you think this is headed?
0: Uh, there, there's so many ironies in all of this. I mean, Trump has been... Uh, a one-man uh, crime wave uh, for decades uh, with his uh fraud, his various business frauds, tax evasion, uh wage theft, uh his sexual harassment uh, c- probably serial rapist um and then all the stuff that went on when he was in the White House, the incredible corruption uh in that era uh, even if you don't think he uh, you know was in cahoots with the Russians in some way uh, he was selling off a uh, big parts of us foreign policy to you know uh, Saudi Arabia and whoever whoever else would uh, you know uh, buy up a bunch of hotel rooms at the Trump hotel so uh, he's finally getting busted on on something uh, it is far from the worst thing he did but uh, you know he's going to have to uh, answer uh, for it you know i think uh, um, trump's legal strategy will be the same that it's always been over the decades which will be to you know, relentlessly attack. Uh, you know the credibility uh, of the of the prosecution, and to try to uh, throw up as many delays and de- deflections as he can. He learned these techniques uh, from his mentor Roy, Roy Cohn, who uh, Roy Cohn was uh, a close aide to Joseph McCarthy in the 1950s. Uh, later, became a lawyer and sort of a consigliere to Trump. So Trump will fight hard and fight dirty, just like uh, he always does. Uh, you know, as far as uh, trump personally for somebody who got 34 felony indictments today i think this might have been uh his happiest day since he lost the election because he was once again at the center of all attention not even not only today but yesterday where there's you know breathless cable coverage of when his plane was gonna his trump branded jet airliner was gonna take off from florida to fly to new york and, and uh you know, so he's right back at the center of attention. It's a little bit like 2015 or 2016 in his first presidential uh, run. So, you know, he loves that uh, as politically speaking, it, you know, this whole thing is uh, definitely turbocharging his run for the Republican presidential nomination uh, where Republicans are really uh, seem to be consolidating, uh, you know, in support around him, seeing him as being, you know, unfairly uh, persecuted, you know, over time, if as uh, this, as he's, you know, these court proceedings go on, it, it will probably, uh, dent him politically with the, you know, the larger general electorate that he would have to face in, a, in a you know, November 2024 if he won that nomination. Uh, you know, but for him, I'm sure it's first things first, uh, as far as, uh, locking down, uh, GOP support. Um, so, uh, you know, One thing about this prosecution that we won't know for a little while is will it be sort of the first uh, domino uh, that the district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia, has been uh, has a grand jury that's been looking into his role in trying to uh, fraudulently overturn the election results in in Georgia, where he famously uh, made that phone call asking the secretary of state there to find him 11,780 votes. And of course, there's investigations around his taking uh, classified papers and, and his role in inciting the January 6th uh, insurrection. So uh, he may have more legal troubles ahead of him. But I think for uh, people, you know, who are uh, relishing Trump, uh, you know, hauled into the courtroom today, I think ultimately Trump and Trumpism will have to be defeated uh, politically and ideolo- ideologically. It, you know, it, ha- it it deeply appeals uh, uh, to uh, you know, people who, who resonate to uh, white supremacy and a certain, uh, you know, very old school version of patriarchal, uh, Christian America. Uh, you know, the majority of the country is moving in a different direction. These people are, you know, holding on to the past. He's able to tap into a lot of their grievances and some grievances, you know, that have some merits around the incredible inequality in this country. And he's very uh, cynical about playing to that, uh, as well. And, uh, later on in the show, we'll talk about some big elections in Wisconsin today, which have everything to do with whether, uh, Trump, uh, could possibly, uh, win or, or just outright steal the election in 2024. But right now for one of, uh, history's, uh, you know, great, uh, con men and, uh, and, and performers, uh, this was a, a big day for Trump, but also yeah, a big day for people who've wanted to see him held accountable in some fashion. And uh, I, I, Taylor, I'm also curious, you were a teenager when Trump was elected president. Uh, what do you, you make of him and, all, you know, all of this?
4: Yeah, that's right. I was 14 when he was elected president. So he's definitely the first president I remember following in the news. The 2016 election is the first election that I remember making a big impact on me. I think he has made a huge impact on how my generation, Gen Z, views Republicans and conservatism. Because the only Republicans, the only conservatives that we have seen in power, really, on the national stage have been Trumpist Republicans, have been... MAGA Republicans. So I think
0: and and that doesn't seem too appealing to you and your Gen Z uh, colleagues.
4: Well, I guess we'll have to we'll have to see how we vote. I think statistically we do tend to lean pretty, pretty uh, democratically for now. So we'll see if it sticks. But I think like us seeing Republicans like him on the national stage has definitely shaped how we view conservatism.
0: All right. Well, Taylor, I, I thank you so much for uh, being out in the field today, along with uh, Katie Pruden, and uh, for your uh, report back uh, as well. Uh, we we really appreciate it. And we're going to be back uh, in after a short uh, music break uh, with our next guest, Independence Ted Ham, our criminal justice correspondent. He's followed Alvin, the career of Alvin Bragg, the DA who indicted. Uh, Ah uh, Trump on these thirty four felony counts and I look forward to hearing what uh Ted uh, thinks about all this. That was the end of the rainbow from a 1975 track from Sonny and Linda Sharuk. You are listening to the independent news hour on WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm your host, John Tarleton. Uh, my co-host host Gagarian is out today. Uh, we continue our coverage of Donald Trump's arraignment uh, here in New York at the New York criminal courthouse earlier this afternoon on 34 felony counts. Uh, so, you know, big, big story. Of course, this is Trump's hometown where his career started. Uh, and uh, but we're going to talk uh, here for the next few minutes about the Manhattan district attorney uh, that indicted Trump. Uh, and uh, uh, what we should know about him. Uh, uh, Alvin Bragg was elected uh, in 2021, succeeding uh, Cyrus Vance as Manhattan D.A. Uh, during the campaign. The Independent's uh, Ted Hamm uh, interviewed uh, Alvin Bragg about uh, his uh, history in, in the legal system and his uh, philosophy that he was going to bring to being a Manhattan district attorney if he won that race. And uh, uh, Alvin Bragg vowed to, quote, deliver one standard of justice for all. And, of course, uh, today he hauled Donald Trump into the courtroom. Uh, Ted, welcome back to the Independent News Hour. Thanks, John. So, uh, first of all, uh, your thoughts on Alvin Bragg. He ran in a year uh, where a lot of criminal justice reformers were contending for that position. He, there were uh, several running further to the left of him. And, of course, there were always questions sort of hanging over that election of, about how aggressively the next DA would pursue Donald Trump uh, and his uh, uh, pur- purported crimes. So, first of all, your thoughts on Bragg.
1: Well, uh, I was just thinking that over the fall, he was the lightning rod or last year, he was the lightning rod in the governor's race. Uh, Lee Zeldin was claiming he would, um, fire him on day one, right? Now, (laughs) now he's a national lightning rod. So he's quite public enemy number one for the Republicans. But, um, back in 2021, yes, he was, um, progressive. But probably a little more to the center. Well, not, I don't know. He was progressive, I would say. Um, but I mean, Eliza Orleans, I would say was probably was the most progressive in that, um, race, public defender. Uh, but, but um, in any case, he was certainly, uh, the a, a likely, uh, winner. He was perceived to be a likely winner because he had the support of network of black Harlem officials, um, and he did well sort of picking up, uh, political club endorsements and things like that, that are, that are valuable in Manhattan. So, um, he, he was making no secret of the fact that he was including Trump's, his, uh, work in the attorney general's office prosecuting the Trump foundation. Um, and um, among other lawsuits they brought against the Trump foundation while he was working first for Eric Schneiderman and then for Tish James. So, um, you know, he was um, nothing he's he's done in that regard is, is terribly surprising. There was the, in terms of prosecuting Trump, there was the question of the initial investigation launched by Vance um, that he took over when he took office in 2022, and he didn't go forward with that investigation which was focused on Trump's asset inflation, right, something that um, the city's business elite does all the time. So that was, uh, could have been a more systemic, um, problem that he took on, right? That, that, but he chose not to complete that investor, go forward with that investigation. And he went with, uh, the current one, which is about falsification of business records, uh, and so on. So, you know, it is holding Trump accountable for the first time, uh, ever, I guess you could say. Um, but, um, is it really? Is this a set of charges unique to Trump, or is this something that will deter future wrongdoing? I don't. I don't know. I think. It, I think it might be a specific set of circumstances because of Trump's own patterns of behavior.
0: Right. And what what do you think of the prospects for this uh, this case? I mean, it's kind of an intricate case involving one crime. Then um, you know uh, the the. The, the, or it takes the, the matter of, of the hush, the hush money payments, which would be a misdemeanor, but it then becomes a felony because it was done to essentially a further an elite, an illegal election contribution. And it, of course he, you know, falsified the documents. So it's it, in some ways a, a pretty, um, a, elaborate uh, case to try to bring, but what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think we all need to know more about that. Um, election law, whether that it's a New York state case um, that's bringing in federal election law violations. Um, you know, so that has to be looked at by judges and that will be Trump's, Trump's team's focus. Um, so, you know, the one thing that many people would say about Alvin Bragg is that he's extremely cautious about pursuing cases, even though it might seem like this is a dramatic step and he wouldn't have taken it if he did not fully, um, make sure in his mind, at least that in his team's mind that they they could go forward with it. So, um, you, you can see that caution actually in something that, uh, he also promised to do this is a little bit separate from the Trump stuff, but he promised, uh, to have an active conviction review unit, um, that hasn't really done much uh, in 15 months, and they, there's still time, obviously. But he, so that would reflect his caution, perhaps, that he doesn't want to uh, exonerate anyone. And he has in major convictions; they did a bunch of minor convictions. They haven't done any major convictions, so you know he's, he wants to be extra careful that they're exonerating the right person and that sort of thing. So that's just sort of the mentality he he, uh, he takes, um, and that's applying here. So you know that he I, I don't think knowing his mo that he would do this unless he felt um absolutely confident even if it is somewhat of a unique um case right so that's what he's got in mind and we'll have to see how it plays out
0: right and one other part of this case that's a little unique is normally uh federal election law violations have a five-year statute of limitations and
1: yeah and we're now
0: seven years out but they're Uh, there's an argument being made that is, I I guess uh, that uh, Trump was away from New York for some of those seven years that like somehow the, that five-year statute of limitations can be stretched out uh, to the present day.
1: Um, Well, I've heard others say that the that it's an issue of the courts were closed during the pandemic. Ah, okay. So, that, um, they didn't re, they were basically closed for March of 2020 to March of 2022. So they're closed for two years in that, in that period. So I, I think that's effectively nullifies the statute of limitations as far as, of
0: course, Trump would say it was all a fake virus anyway. And now.
1: Okay, well, yes, he says a lot of fake <laughs> virus
0: used to justify a, you know, a fake prosecution. Uh.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, it's a Manhattan witch hunt. I just looked on Breitbart a little while ago. and said calling it <laughs> Manhattan witch hunt, right? So not, not a Salem witch hunt.
0: <laughs> right. And and uh, before we have to go here, of course, uh, you know, the, the attacks being launched uh, uh, against Bragg, a, a lot of it is uh, racialized, uh, Bragg being African-American. Um Arranging Trump, uh, I mean, I imagine he can handle it. He's but any thoughts on that?
1: Well, there's there's the racial element. You know, uh, Marjorie Taylor green called him a thug, right? They called, called, <laughs> called him Eric Adams is thug, which you know he's not. Uh, or he's not he's not close Eric Adams ally. I you mean, know, but he's, right. He's, I'm just using thug obviously as as a, as a racial uh trope. But then there's also the Soros stuff too, right? So. Mm. That, then that's anti-Semitic trope of, you know... Uh, the
0: idea being that Soros has backed a number of these reformist uh, district attorneys.
1: Well, they they don't point, they, they only point it out when they say Soros backed Alvin Bragg, right? So, mm-hmm. so that, that they're invoking the specter of a Jewish uh, conspiracy, financier's conspiracy, the pul- puppet master that Al- Alvin Bragg is carrying out his wishes and so on. So, I mean, that, that's the... QAnon, Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene, F- MAGA, right, that everything is some sort of conspiracy. And Trump perpetuates that, obviously, as well. So,
0: Right. So, well, and, and uh, th- this case could uh, take a while to unfold uh, with all the legal proceedings. So I imagine there will be many uh, more opportunities for these people to race uh, toward the gutter. Sure.
1: I mean, it, it takes, yeah, even if everything goes forward as planned, there. I mean, it's not going to... Uh, go to trial until at least early next year. And, and these things always get pushed back
0: for. Uh, push back. Right. We'll have to leave it there. Uh, but uh, Ted Hamm, we have an interview from uh, that he did in 2020 with Alvin Bragg uh, up on independent.org. It's called A Lifelong Fight for Justice Spurred Alvin Bragg into the Manhattan D.A. race. Uh, Ted, it's always great to have you here as our criminal justice correspondent, uh, sh- you know, sharing uh, your thoughts.
1: Thanks, John. Good to be here. Good luck with everything.
0: All right. Thank you. And we will be uh, back after a, sh- a short music break. And uh, in the second half of the show, we'll take some uh, calls from you, the listener, at 212-209-2877. Uh, if you want to get in the queue, again, that's 212 uh, 212- uh, two zero nine two eight seven seven also in the second half of the show we're going to get an update from albany from assembly member Forrest affront forrest about all the uh, negotiations going on around the state budget and other very important issues that get lumped into that uh, while the trump arraignment was historic today we don't want to lose sight of other important stories going on at the same time but first this break That was more from The End of the Rainbow, a 1975 track from Sonny and Linda Sharak. You're listening to the Independent NewsHour on WBAI 99.5 FM, streaming on WBAI.org. I'm your host, John Tarleton, editor in chief of The Independent. My colleague, Amba Gagarian, is out today. So, uh, In a a few minutes, uh, we will be opening the phone lines. You can call 212-209-2877 if you want to talk about uh, Trump's arraignment or uh, anything else on your mind. Again, 212-209-2877. However, also have another important phone number I want to urge people to call, and that's uh, for uh, donating to uh, WBAI. Uh, becoming a WBAI buddy for as little as 10 dollars a month. That number is 212 Again, 212 It it's people calling that number that makes it possible uh, for b- us to be on the air and present uh uh, voices like uh, Ted Ham, like Farah front Forest are going to hear in a little while, have reporters out in the field, have the antenna and the transmitter up on top of four Times Square, and to be able to do listener call-ins. So it, it, this is a community radio station. We need uh, support from you, the community, uh, 212-209-2950. And uh, if you become a WBAI buddy, you can do it for as little as $10 a month. You get all sorts of great Uh, uh, premiums and benefits from being a WBAI buddy. I became a WBAI buddy last year. I, You know, I'm thrilled that I'm able to do a a little bit to help the station in that way. Of course, it's a great pleasure to do this show as well on a weekly basis and be here with you. But uh, you know, the station is in finance financial stress these days, sort of the ongoing financial crisis that we've always been able to power through here, but it, it, you know, the need is urgent. 212-209-2950. Your support helps keep that uh, transmitter and that antenna uh, going up on top of four times square, right in the middle of Manhattan, beaming a signal across the five boroughs and uh, well into the suburbs of Long Island and the Hudson River Valley and down through New Jersey. It's pretty amazing that we have this station. We have this signal to be able to share this news. And, and current, uh, affairs coverage as well as the cultural, uh, programming and music programming you get on the station. Absolutely, uh, unique, uh, show lineup that you have here at WBAI and your support, you know, keeps it going at 212-209-2950 or at, uh, give number two at WBAI.org. And, uh, again, uh, if you want to call in and, uh, you know, share your thoughts on the day. Uh two one two uh two zero nine two eight uh seven seven. And uh I don't think we have uh, anybody oh we've got three callers holding, so let's uh, let's hop on that. Uh, uh the first person we have here, can you uh, uh give us your name and where you're calling from? My
3: name is Menelik. Can you hear me?
0: Hi, can you uh, speak a little more loudly?
3: My name is Menelik.
0: Hi, welcome to the show. All right.
3: I would like to start off by uh, thanking you for uh, taking my call. Uh, We have to understand something about the legal system in, in the United States, that everything is based on race. It has been since the advent of the founding of this country. The other right. thing is that we have to understand the critique of a man named George Soros because they bring that up and they try to uh, try to throw a ringer, a, a ringer. That's all something stupid trying to point fingers. And see, like I said uh, recently or a while back, they had a, a case with uh, John Gotti. John Gotti would go into the court and come out. He was called a Teflon Don. But when he started, when they started doing a little more, a little more intricate uh, research on the man, they found that he was corrupt. He was doing all kinds of malfeasance. So in terms of what Donald Trump can do and get away with it, it, it backfired. And like I said, a person that don't want it. My, my, my grandmother used to tell me, she said, don't tell a lie because if you're, If you lie one time, you got to keep on lying. So I'm only critiquing the fact that Bragg is not a witch. He's not a witch. He's not a a warlock. And he's not running uh, a game because they're dealing with the integrity of the law. And if you violate the law, you have to be accountable. As uh, John Gotti was accountable for what he violated. And he thought he could get away with it. Donald Trump is no exception. He's using the people that his supporters, and they don't even have a, 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 a understanding of reality in terms of supporting a man that has violated the law.
0: Right. we'll,
3: so, well, in that we'll sense, have
0: to go here in a moment. So we we got other people uh, in line. Well. It, was, there, was there one more point you wanted to make before we have to go?
3: Uh, the point is that we have to understand that, you know, there's no perfect person in the world. Everybody makes mistakes. But when you make a mistake, you got to admit that you made a mistake. And if you keep yeah. covering it up, that's a lie.
0: If you keep on
3: putting more right. lies yeah. on top, that's it. That's all no. I got to say.
0: All right. Well, thank you. No doubt, uh, Donald Trump has always run his uh, his uh, operation like a like a mafia boss. Uh, he, gets, he learned from the best here in New York. Uh, our next caller, uh, what's your name and where are you calling from?
7: Hey, it's Russell up in White Plains, and I'd like to thank Mantelick for calling and allowing me to point out that John Gotti, like Al Capone, didn't receive half the votes of the citizens of this country. Okay. That's a big red herring that's put out there. But, John, you're very honest. I've talked to you on King Downey's program. You're an honest and earnest person. So I have w- two quick questions for you. One is, would you prefer Donald Trump, Trump getting out of Ukraine in 24 hours, like he said, or re- would you rather have Biden, who keeps escalating us into World War II, or, or more to the point, would you volunteer for Uncle Joe to go to Ukraine? That's number, number one. And the second thing is... Do you feel like there's a fetishistic obsession with getting Trump that has a sexual component with women? And Menelik pointed out that he's not a witch, but you know what Salem witch trials were all about? They were about attaching all of society's ills on women who were perceived as witches. He's a racist. He hates Mexicans. He does everything like that. So my question is, would you prefer to be out of Ukraine in 24 hours or sticking with Biden barreling towards world war three. And number two is, do you think there's a sexual component in his fetishistic obsession with getting Trump? Thanks, Johnny.
0: All right. Um, Maybe I'll try the second one uh, first, which is, uh, I mean, if I, I'm not sure I totally understood that question, but I mean, obviously uh, there's a deep uh, misogyny uh, to Trump. You can see it uh, throughout his life, the way he, Uh, Always uh, talks about women essentially as sexual objects, you know, the whole uh, uh, Access Hollywood tape where he was openly bragging about grabbing women's crotches, you know, uh, a lot of uh, um, allegations of sexual harassment and rape hanging over the man. Uh, And, uh, you know, he's always sort of into making these sort of displays of his dominance over other people. It pretty much seems to be his obsession. So, you know, the guy, the guy's a real uh, mess but uh he's never really been held accountable for any of that um as far as uh ukraine goes uh uh no i would not uh, uh i wasn't uh, planning on packing my bags to uh, head to the front lines of uh ukraine uh you know that's pretty much up to the ukrainians to uh fight that uh battle and many of them uh have uh you know embraced uh the the cause of their country um uh and as far as trump's uh, promise to get the U.S. out of, uh, Ukraine and, and, and that war in 24 hours. Uh, you know, I would always treat anything that, uh, Trump says as, you know, a likely uh, being a falsehood. I mean, I think he's appealing to a sentiment, uh, that he thinks will help him, uh, win votes. Uh, I would just note that at various times in, in his first go around as president, you know, he made promises where he saw political opportunities, uh, such as, him promising that when he repealed Obam- Obamacare, he would replace it with something so, so much more better, so, so perfect. And then he never proposed anything. And he also uh, promised to protect uh, uh, Social Security and Medicare. But those, those were always incredibly, to me, insincere promises. And for all his fulminations about the the deep state and all that, uh, he never really uh, seriously challenged uh, any foreign policy. Uh, prerogatives of the united states he had four years to get the u.s out of afghanistan and he, he didn't he didn't do anything along those lines uh so uh and it was biden that ultimately uh got the u.s out of afghanistan now i i do think the u.s needs to get a lot more serious about uh peace talks and negotiations in uh ukraine so this war doesn't drag on forever or lead to world war three but you know i think for people on the left uh you know that these some of these far right politicians like Trump like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates you know, see an opportunity uh t- you know to make an anti-war appeal but you know i seriously question uh, their sincerity and obviously so much else they stand for uh is abhorrent um i think we have uh, one more caller for now and then we're going to want to go to an interview uh did earlier today uh, with assembly member uh uh Suf- uh Front Forrest with some uh, updates from Albany. Uh, Do we have uh, one more listener here?
3: Hi, it's Bill.
0: Hi, Bill. Welcome to WBI Radio.
2: You know, it's a good show. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for taking calls on this. Russell always has good points. Um, First, you know, most people, as Jimmy Dore is pointing out on his channel, see this as just politically motivated to stop the front runner. And he has a clip of the Mexican president. It's hilarious. He's describing it. It's very funny. People should check it out. But I wanted to say, I heard a caller from Harlem and she called up Brian Lair on WNYC. And she said something very powerful. She said he's um, she has drug dealers in front of a building day and night selling more than weed right in front of the kids going and coming from school. Mm -hmm. And Alvin Bragg is the first black DA is allowing that to happen in his own neighborhood. And the reason she was angry is because she said white liberals wouldn't tolerate that in our neighborhoods. But it's social justice when it's in Harlem. And she had a good point.
0: Can I bump in here one second? Sure. The, sure. The, DA, the DA doesn't arrest people. That's up to the police to arrest people. So well, I'm, maybe I'm she should be that. angry at the glad, NYPD. No, I'm glad you said that.
2: No, because what she said was Because he refuses to prosecute, the police don't even move the drug dealers along. They don't even say, okay, guys, let's go. So her kids see the drug dealers day and night and interact with them going and coming from school. So that means they're being pulled into the drug life. And that, she said, wouldn't happen in a white liberal neighborhood. We would never tolerate that. And yet she deals with it. And the last thing I want to say is that in terms of race, you just look at Los Angeles. And the, those recording we just heard from the Latino city council leaders calling blacks monkeys, mocking those who are white, right? Now that's, so we have to stop pushing the lie that, you know, that's being pushed by the left because a lot of blacks don't buy it. A lot of black men voted for Trump because he said to blacks, fight for your own corner. That's what Mike Tyson said when he voted for Trump. He he learned from Customata, you fight for your own corner because other groups, um, as, um, Professor Clark told Malcolm X, "Blacks have no friends; they only have people who use blacks." Remember, we—he's he, um, the great uh, teacher, John Hendrick Clark. Sure, and that, that he's, that's, he's, uh, right. thats
0: a viewpoint that uh, Clarence Thomas uh, shares as well. I mean, it's a—you uh, know—that's a viewpoint uh, obviously felt by some, but you know, it denies the possibility of any sort of uh, broader uh, coalition to fight uh, to improve. Uh, social conditions economic conditions in this uh, in this country so of course uh, someone like Trump would uh, you know try to sell that point of view and and maybe have some success but uh, you know we have uh, black voters to thank for the fact that we didn't end up with a a Trump second term despite some of those appeals almost 90 percent of the black vote uh, went against Trump Uh, you know we would already be uh, well into a second Trump term if it wasn't for uh, black voters in this country, especially in those swing states. Um, I thank you for joining us tonight, Bill. And uh, so uh want to uh, pivot back here uh, to New York state politics. Uh, the state budget is currently being negotiated. All sorts of other things get piled into the what they call the big ugly, the final deal that gets agreed to. One thing that uh, Governor Kathy Hochul is pushing very aggressively for is to roll back uh, uh the 2019 bail reform laws um that uh, before that was passed uh many new Yorkers were being held on rikers island for months or even years simply because they didn't have the money uh to pay bail um so i spoke with a uh, uh, forest affront a second term assembly member a democratic socialist who uh represents the 57th assembly district in central brooklyn and uh, uh here's our conversation Assemblymember Farah Safran Forrest, welcome back to WBAI Radio.
5: Thanks for having me on, John.
0: Sure. So, for starters, uh, the the state budget uh, is uh, now running late in Albany. Uh, What, uh, in your estimation, is causing the delays?
5: Um, I think it's it's a couple of things that are happening. There is this real... um, idea that there are a lot of crises, especially post-pandemic, across the state that are brewing. We have um, a housing crisis. We have a clear crisis, the climate that we have to keep up with. Um, We also have a crisis around this idea of the cost of living, wages, and, and being able to access um, not only care in the sense of health care, but social services, the wraparound services that really help to keep our, st- you know, us as people going. And then we also have um, this idea of, you know, just in general, how can we just make our, you know, state keep up with, with, keep up and be efficient in terms of how do people get connected with open-ended communities? Um, and so it is very, uh, very disappointing. I think it's almost to the point where it's criminal at this point, where we have a governor that is holding up all of these topics because she wants to, she calls it a rollback on bail reform But what she's actually proposing is a complete turnaround beyond repeal of the bail reform laws of two thousand nineteen. But to go before that, um, back when the you know Republicans had changed the law, the some of the bail laws back in the nineteen sixties, fifties. So yeah, that is really what is what this budget system budget is looking at at this point it's really the governor holding us working people um us black and brown people hostage to push for far right political ideology
0: and why do you object to rolling back uh, the bail reform and is there any uh, trade you would make on other issues that are of uh concerned for you that you would like to uh you know get a win on a uh, like uh good cause eviction that you would uh entertain making
5: okay let me let me pause there for a second John um just to make sure that everybody understand this process this budget process is really in the hands of the governor. The governor has to speak on the issue uh on her priorities, and then we as legislature, respond. And so if you're the question is what what would I trade? I would trade nothing, nothing for bail rollbacks on bail reform. Um I think the first bail reform was fine. It is actually working. The goal is to keep black and brown people, especially pretrial, before they've been actually convicted of anything that we are keeping them off of Right, of, of prisons, uh, and jails. And when we think about Rikers, that it's primed for receivership, that should be in receivership because it's so bad. I mean, last year we're looking at 19 people had committed suicide, had died in the, within the confines of Rikers. That is what bail reform is trying to address. Keeping out people who don't need to be there, who are too poor to get themselves out. Free trial before they've been convicted of anything. So, because it's in the fact that we have to address the governor on her terms, I think it's egregious that these are her terms. So, I'm not willing to give anything to talk about black and brown bodies dying behind jail cells.
0: Right. And what are you and the seven other uh, Democratic socialists who ha- have formed a-, a block within the state legislature? Uh, how are you all working together to try to uh, pressure legislative leaders uh, to not uh, fold on this point?
5: I think um, amongst the seven of us socialists socialists in office, we're very clear on the target. The target is not only just a governor who is spewing out, you know, far right rhetoric in spite of wearing democratic blue. but it's also making a very clear picture for painting a clear picture for our colleagues that this is unacceptable. No one should be taking this home at the end of the budget season. Absolutely not. Um, and then also we're also painting a picture of all the other issues that our communities evictions is not a New York City topic evictions are happening across the state from Buffalo to Plattsburgh to Suffolk County people are being evicted at, at enormous rates we had colleagues who sat in in a housing court in Albany just yesterday where it got to the point today and tomorrow they're sitting in these uh, in these courts in Albany and there is no room for the legislature to sit. The, uh, my colleagues had to get up and give room for it because tenants are filling up the courthouse and evictions are happening at a, a speedy rate. And this is what it takes. This is, this is the, this is what SIOs and, you know, in office do. We bring the issues forth and then we challenge our colleagues to answer to those issues. And it looks like this legislators going out two housing courts, legislators standing up and protesting against this new methane um gas bill being introduced by uh assemblymember Barrett and Assemblymember uh, State Senator Parker at the last hour. This is what is it's so important to have socialists in office because we change the co- conversation. We focus it on what these policies will mean to working people across the state.
0: And and the Your fellow Democrats in the State Assembly, uh, do you all meet regularly with Speaker Heasty to convey your concerns as a group? Or is it more like you all uh, communicate with him on a one-by-one basis? Uh, How does that process work? Well, we do have a conference that we
5: regularly meet up and we'll talk amongst ourselves, meaning the 106 members of the, SM, the Democratic Party. Um, but I think some of my colleagues are very concerned about leaps, and we don't re- meet as regularly as possible um, as, much, as much as we should because of those leaps. I think, you know, the Senate have no problem. loops are not, they're going to have conversations, but I have to say that our conversations are very limited in the assembly. And so sometimes you do have to just text Carl. Um, and I think that's kind of really bad because you don't know who is texting what to Carl. And it really, you know, stifles the democratic process, even amongst us as as legislators.
0: Right. And um, we we'll have to go here in a minute. But uh, last thing regarding evictions, uh, can you just uh, lay out quickly why you think the good cause eviction bill is so important uh, for protecting uh, tenants, not only in New York City, but across the state?
5: Right. And so, you know, when we talk about housing um, is public safety, we're talking about what it means to stabilize a community community. People who are facing evictions, that is, they're facing violence. And so it is very important for us, especially with a governor that's so fixed on public safety, for her to understand that good cause is a public safety bill. It is a bill that addresses the issue right at hand where, you know, there. I like how people let you say there's good landlords. But at this time, every landlord is basically exploiting vulnerable people across the state and so or leaving people to be vulnerable to you know predatory practices and so um it is very important to pass it's not even part it's the most important thing i think of all our policies if people are unhoused we can't talk about anything else until people are safe safely housed and house in a way that doesn't expose them to mold on the wall vermin in the creeping you know all over there but it just it makes sense to me that housing has to be the four most important the most foremost topic in, you know in our minds
0: okay well- I have to leave it there for now, but Assembly Member Forest Front Forest, uh, representing Assembly District 57 in Central Brooklyn, thank you so much for joining us again on WBAI Radio.
5: Thank you so much,
0: John. All right. So again, that was Forrest Front Forest, Assembly Member uh, from Brooklyn, talking about what's going on in Albany. Uh, we thank everybody who joined us for today's show, for everybody who stuck uh, through the show. Uh, the answer to that trivia question from the beginning, the first president to be arrested actually was Ulysses S. Grant in 1872. He was nabbed in Washington for speeding in his horse and buggy while out on a joyride with friends. He ultimately paid a $20 fine. Uh, so there is some precedent, but, uh, you know, Donald Trump uh, always taking things to the next level. We'll continue to follow all of that, of course. Uh, thanks uh, to Amba Gagarian. Uh, Taylor Fleming and Katie Pruden for their work on today's show, and our engineer Reggie Johnson. Uh, I believe we'll be off next week, uh, but uh, you know, please stay tuned for future editions of the Independent News Hour. And on our outro uh, today, um, this is the 55th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, and this is a clip from the speech uh, he gave on um, the night before his assassination at the Masonic Temple in Memphis, Tennessee, on the importance of. Uh, unity and struggle is a part of his uh, I've been to the mountaintop speech but um, this comes from that speech
6: we are saying that we are determined to be men we are determined to be people we are saying we are saying that we are God's children And we are God's children, we don't have to live like we are forced to live. Now, what does all of this mean in this great period of history? It means that we've got to stay together. We've got to stay together and maintain unity. You know, whenever Pharaoh wanted to prolong the period of slavery in Egypt, he had a favorite, favorite formula for doing it. What was that? He kept the slaves fighting among themselves. But whenever the slaves get together, something happens in Pharaoh's court, and he cannot Hold the slaves in slavery. When the slaves get together, that's the beginning of getting out of slavery. (laughs) Now let us maintain unity. Secondly, let us keep the issues where they are. The issue is injustice. The issue is the refusal of Memphis to be fair and honest in its dealings with its public servants who happen to be sanitation workers.